did find what's very good. This ice cream. What ice cream? There's ice cream. Huckleberry I, homemade. homemade huckleberry ice cream that Caleb brought. Did you make it or did Jill make it? What? What's going on? I made it. <clears throat> you did. All by yourself. We're gonna make it for Psalm for Psalm sing and then it didn't set up right and it's got a little bit. It's not the churner wasn't churning right. My ice, I think my ice cream maker's broken, but oh, it doesn't is, matter. No, it, it looks really good. good. It's pretty tasty. It's way better than these Hampton Farms peanuts. It needs to be in a big waffle cone, though. Oh, I love Or like a waffle cone. Oh, yeah. I used to... Have I, have I ever told you guys about the time I worked in an ice cream shack? Yes. And we made we made our own waffle cone batter oh. and our own waffle cone makers. Really? I can't tell you how many blisters I got from making waffle cones. It was <laughs> such a nasty business. Did you put the Whopper or like the... Some places put the little chocolate Whopper thing in Oh, the no, we didn't do Whoppers. We did marshmallows. Marshmallows. Marshmallows in the bottom of the waffle cone so it didn't leak. Mm-hmm. The ice cream didn't leak through. The plug. And that last bite, so good. Oh. It was mm. the best. Blue Moon ice cream in a waffle cone with a marshmallow in the bottom. And mm-hmm. some, some people don't believe in post-millennialism. I know. How could they not? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Speaking of good things, I found a new rye whiskey that I really like. Ooh. And... It meets my criteria of not being in a plastic bottle. <laughs> okay. All right. And waist high or above. Right. Oh, so wow. if it's in a plastic bottle and it's below my waist, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, like uh, simple. Oh. <laughs> but what's the brand? George Dickel. George with a name like Dickel. <laughs> George. Good. It's so good. George Dickel rye whiskey. You throw an ice cube in it and it's just. It's hmm. just really good, and, it, and it's like twenty five bucks a bottle. Hmm. And I kind of want to get Elijah on it instead of his plastic bottle of Old Crow. Is that what it's <laughs> called, Old Crow? Yeah, Old Crow. <clears throat> it's yeah, like, no, no, no. You need to move on and drink this real no. cowboy drink here, real rye whiskey, right? Only cowboys drink rye whiskey, I think I've heard. Mm. Al Capone used to drink it. That was his Templeton rye, is what they would sneak into the cell form. Very wondering. It's a pretty good rye, but it's like 40 bucks. Well, you know Bullet Rye, the green bottle, not the orange okay. rye? The folks who make Bullet Rye, this is from my research, I don't know. The folks who make Bullet Rye also supply the rye whiskey for George Dickel. Mm. And Bullet Rye is like 50 bucks, mm-hmm. 45 mm. bucks. George Dickel is 25 so. But mm. I really like it. It's, it's pretty smooth for rye whiskey. I feel like... Probably not as good as Huckleberry ice cream. No, it's not good. I don't want to hear about it. My mother-in-law, Wiley, lives in like Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and it's I feel like bullet comes from there. I think it's this is bottled in Kentucky, but right. distilled somewhere else. Yeah, it's know. from what I found out from my online reading, whiskey's become quite a monopoly. And there's one mm-hmm. one company that produces all this rye whiskey, and they sell it out to Bullet, George Dickel, Templeton, hmm. you know, that kind of thing, hmm. rather than each company making their own. Yeah. I don't know how factual that is. No, it's true. Is it like a lot of the like a lot of the Montana distilleries? Um, I think they still get their <clears throat> they still get the base, the actual. Uh, what would it be? The whiskey, or what is it? Before? The mash. What is it before they put it in the oak? Yeah, isn't it mash? Mash. The mash. Is that what it's called? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think the mash is uh, what it is before it's distilled. Yes, we, we I think need, you're right. We need Mr. Schultz to come on the show. Yeah. Yeah. But then they they can age it out here in something, and that's how they can sell it mm. as a Montana whiskey aged in Montana. But right. uh, Indiana's <clears throat> or, a big yeah. corn whiskey producing yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. state. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think I remember there's a Canadian whiskey. Is it Black Velvet? Oh, is yeah. that a Canadian? Mm-hmm. Where the whole the whole uh, process, for, I think it's black velvet. I could be wrong, but the whole thing is automated. Oh, there, there's no no humans involved. The whole thing's just automated in producing black velvet whiskey. Huh. All the way into the plastic bottle. Because it, they they ship it in on the train. It gets unloaded with machines. It gets uh, what you call it, aged, matured. Yeah. Whatever, and it gets shipped back out. Mm. And there's just people making sure the robots are doing their job. <laughs> All right, I'm not supporting I'm, Black Velvet. Uh, you should double check that. I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, it's I, Black Velvet. I just remember the song Black Velvet. But it's yeah. also in a plastic bottle, so you probably shouldn't buy it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you go with my, my pharisaical standards. <laughs> nice. Yeah, if you have to bend over to buy it and it's in a plastic bottle, you should just use it for... Household cleaning or mm, cleaning wounds, bullet wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of whiskey, what's the Idaho's laws on selling whiskey in like Costco's, or are they like state-owned liquor stores? I don't too? think no. so. Something that is expensive. You just want to wait till you get to Idaho to buy some. Yeah, bootlegging. Huh. Yeah, we'll have to look for a liquor store when we're over there. Yeah, you should probably check the prices. <laughs> I know, like Washington. They're not state-run like Montana's liquor stores, but their state tax on liquor is super high. Oh. They call it the poor tax. <laughs> doesn't Washington... Oh, no, Washington doesn't have an income tax. Because the higher they tax the liquor... They have a sales tax. They think the less poor people will drink it. That makes total sense. Mm, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. actually. Just <laughs> oh. drink what they can afford. Well, I remember I went to a... Something like a... It was just a little grocery store. And the sign said like thirty-seven dollars for this bottle of bourbon, and we walk up, and it was on sale. So I was like, I was like, oh great. And we walk up and they scan it, and it's like ends up being like forty-nine dollars. I was like, well, it, the sign back there said thirty-seven, and she's like, yeah, it's thirty-seven, and the rest is tax. Hmm. Man. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. It's like ten dollars in tax. <laughs> so don't bu- don't buy your liquor in Washington. Making me angry. What's the difference between liquor and liqueur? Does a liqueur have sugar added? Really, you have an answer to this? No, I don't. I'm not sure. You should. Caleb should look it up. One is <laughs> one is French and one is American. <laughs> America. <clears throat> no, American is just rye. I'm. Kind of making a mess in my seat with these. No, that's fine. Peanuts. I'll have my maid vacuum when we're finished. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anna. <laughs> she One never thought she'd theory. make it on the show. <laughs> Normally, a liqueur um, has more, more has more ingredients, so it's lesser, less alcohol, more proof. Mm. There you go. Thanks. So, more ingredients. It's appropriate that we're talking about. Yeah, which is something Alcohol. Stuart Long would really enjoy. Huh? Right. Being a Catholic and all. Just having his... Well, I was thinking he was being a pagan. Oh, being a pagan. Oh. First. Oh, well. You know, I just figure Catholics like to 
Catholics drink? Drink. They like to boot it up. <laughs> Let's call him Roman. So, no, no. so I've heard in Butte, which is a very Catholic town. This is probably the fourth time I've said it on the show. Romans, We're not yeah, Catholic. sorry. Roman Catholics. Being Roman Catholic is an oxymoron. <sighs> oh, right. yeah. Dang it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess that up on the show. We are Catholic. We would permit a Roman Christian to come to the table. They would not permit us. Hmm. We are Catholic. They are not. Roman Catholic is like a local universal. <laughs> right. A local universal. There you go. That's the movie we're doing? Father, Father Stu. Father Stu. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Man, we are eight minutes in. Welcome to the Stories from Glory podcast where we are talking about the glory of God and the stories. <laughs> gotta hurry up. We're talking tonight about Father Stu, which actually has quite a, a little bit to do with whiskey. Drinking. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the Christian use of alcohol. That may be worth talking about. We're talking about Father's Stew tonight. It's something that was shared with us about a, a pagan drunkard. What should we call him? Stuart Long is his name. Who was a pagan drunkard. And he was a boxer. A boxer, yeah. A golden glove boxer. Yeah. And a champion for the state of Montana. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, that's a big thing. It was... He was from Montana, centered in Montana. Mm-hmm. We should probably talk about that. Boxing as a Christian sport or not. And then, through his life experiences, became converted to Roman Christendom, became a Roman Christian, and decided to become a Roman priest. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this movie, and it's, so it's another true story. Yep. That we're talking about yeah. another one of God's stories in real life that was put to film that took place where he's from Helena, Montana, mm-hmm. right, which is just 20 minutes up the road yeah. from us. <clears throat> so right now, if we wanted to, we could go visit his grave. Yep, yeah. that's how close he is. This st- Father Stuart Long, and I think he returned to the area, didn't he? He did, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, to be a, a priest. Okay. So, uh, the movie star, it came out this year. Yeah, earlier this year. Yeah. 2022. Mm-hmm. Starring Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. Mel our, Gibson. Be- our beloved. Yeah, it's just Mel. He's the only, <laughs> he's, he's one of the only Roman Catholics I approve of. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, I'm just kidding. I also like G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> that's so, that's, that's what the story, that's the movie we're talking about, that's the story we're talking about, and that's what happens in it pretty much a pagan from Helena Montana through life circumstances becomes a Christian and he wants to be a Roman priest mm-hmm. so yeah. I've got notes obviously as a Protestant pastor I've got lots of notes <laughs> but I want to hear from you guys so and remember we're, let, let's talk about can I set the course yeah yeah let's talk about what we see as good in the film Mm-hmm. Good in the story, the the glory of the story, the good aspects of it. Before we talk about the, eh, right, I wouldn't go there, right, kind of thing. So, let's let's go that. What do you see as good in this, the the glory of the story? Oh, <clears throat> hmm. I was relying a lot on you and Caleb for on this. my animosity. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
I didn't, I'm, after watching the movie, I was like, eh, this, whatever. It was kind of a lot of cliche storylines. Um, yeah. That was insightful. Yeah. Well, what was yeah. the... Here, um, have some more of this. <laughs> so his... You probably have the quote. You you probably have his quote written down, but it was the whole idea that God doesn't want to remove us from our suffering, mm. but to meet us in it. Oh, you're going. You're diving deep. Well, I mean, that's the well. That's kind of like that's like the theme throughout a lot of it. You know, especially after he becomes. Yeah. You know. That's particularly the problem with the American church. Mm-hmm. God doesn't want you to suffer. They say. Right. And yet you read your Bible. And God is the one who brings the suffering. Right. He's the one behind it. Yeah. So, I mean, that that theme coming from a Roman Catholic is... Yeah, from Hollywood guys. From Hollywood guys. I mean, that's speaking truth to us as well. Yeah. So much of our lives we try and, you know, push the suffering aside or, you know, run from it as much as possible. Not that we're, you know, masochists. Like, not that we want suffering. Like, but... But when God gives you a cross, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. So I think that was, I thought that was good. That was a good message, I guess. Right. That is a Christian view of suffering. <clears throat> you get, oh, man, you just, that was near the end of my notes. You get, I, was, I wanted to warm up. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I was, no, go for it. I was going to talk about the, uh, I get the, my restora- glasses on. the restoration of Father and Son was also really special. Oh, so good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that was. Yeah, seeing that was pretty great. There's a lot of longing there, isn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah, because I don't think we should look for or seek after or <laughs> desire suffering as if it's some right. virtue. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. But when it comes... How do you handle it? Yeah, yeah then realize mm-hmm. it's from God. Right. You don't seek out martyrdom. Right, yeah. Or... Well, one of the examples that we, I think we've used in other episodes, God gave me a headache, so I'm not going to take Tylenol. Yeah. Like, well, okay. You're, now your suffering has become pietism. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Now, the purpose, one of the reasons why you have a headache is so you learn not to snap at your kids. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. But anyway. Yeah. You know. Right. And it's, 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 but it's, it's almost hard to talk about that. So that was good, how the movie, how he... No, we're not going there yet. I know. <laughs> that is the hard part about this movie, though, is it's just like... It's, it's so, so good, and then, and then it's... And they take oh, a 90-degree turn. so bad. <laughs> Mary has nothing to do with this. Right, you know, so that's yeah. the challenge. But that... Well, I, I thought we would ease into the discussion. Okay, all right, like, sorry. Like at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So Stuart okay. Long, he's ambitious. Playing, played by Mark Wahlberg, is Mark in a Mark, boxing yeah. match, yep. right? And he's kicking butt, and he's getting his butt kicked, and then he goes to a doctor, mm-hmm. and the doctor says, "You need to quit boxing, right? Or you're gonna mm-hmm. have brain damage." Yeah. And he goes, "All I know is boxing. I'm gonna keep doing it." And what's the doctor say? I don't remember. Uh, he says, "Well, the decision is yours. It's your life." And I wrote down, ding, 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 ding. if only they said that today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, remember when, uh, I don't want to bring up hard memories, but remember when we were in a hospital near Billings? Uh-huh. 
Oh yeah. And we couldn't we couldn't go and see. Yeah. Your your son. Yeah. We can we can mm-hmm. bring his infant daughter in to see him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of the potential of transmitting COVID, which is ninety nine point nine percent survivable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how when you enter into a hospital, the doctors become despots. Yeah. And they say you may not. You remember yeah. we we yeah. talked about burning the place down. You remember? We were sitting there in that late at uh, night. Just for the record, I don't remember talking about burning the hospital down. Well, we were talking about our emotions. Yeah. It was emotional. It wasn't literal burning the place NSA, down. NSA, I don't, I never said that. You know how you, your son just lost his wife? Yeah. And his <clears throat> infant daughter, who could not walk, right? She couldn't go mm-hmm. into the emergency room to go and see her father. She had to be carried. Mm-hmm. And because she had to be carried... It broke their protocol of having two people in there. Mm-hmm. Only one person could go. Mm-hmm. And just how frustrated we were. Yeah. Who goes? Dad? Who goes? Mom? Who goes? Pastor? Who goes? Daughter? You yeah. Know, like, who one goes? Sister? Yeah. And nobody could go. You couldn't yeah. bring an infant in there because it broke protocol. Yeah. And this doctor says, the decision's yours. I, yeah. I'm just giving advice. Like, I'm... You know, I, I see your scan. I see what you're doing in your life. Here's my recommendation. Do what you want. That's a that shows the evil of the whole COVID thing. Was it ah. destroyed the body of Christ? Two people couldn't be together. Yeah, you couldn't have communion right. with anybody. And I, I know a handful of pastors who've had parishioners die in isolation. Mm-hmm. And just how how evil and tragic is that? Isn't that how isolation? Maybe. I don't think so, but oh. it could be. You think hell is communion? No. But are we? Are we we're going to hell? Yeah, because well, in I... the book of Revelation, <laughs> death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is before the throne of God. And so, hell is not the separation, and the isolation from God. It's the ever presence of God right. to those who hate Him. In regards to God, but it's as far as each person in hell. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. They're totally isolated, totally yeah. self-centered. I just don't know that. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I do. Oh, okay. You can write it. Down. It, it was in the Great <laughs> Divorce. C.S. Lewis wrote it, so it's probably true. Huh. Well, that would make. It, yeah. I was talking make, about the liberty of man. You know, allowing freedom. Uh huh. Yeah. And the liberty of choice. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and that really is a Christian principle. Mm-hmm. Here's the gospel. Greg, do yeah. with it, you know, repent or don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not going to put the sword to your throat yeah. about this. Yeah. You're, and, you're made in the image of God. You have responsibility of choice. Yeah, the and godless. How, and the godless in the nanny state want to take that away. Yeah, they want to exercise force and right. totalitarianism. Totalitarian. What, what does Doug call it? Is that what he called it? No. Totaler, totalaristas? Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Make everybody one yeah. by force. Well, and if you take God out of the equation, somebody has to feel that God allows us mm-hmm. the ability to make mistakes, to to mm-hmm. choose the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And the total totalaristas, mm-hmm. they want to step into the God, into the void of God when they remove Him mm-hmm. and dictate what decisions we make. Yeah, <clears throat> and it and it steals freedom, <clears throat> steals responsibility. But the movie begins with, the decision is yours. And that kind of runs through the whole film. That kind of, 
it runs through the story, which we'll get to at a certain point where I think the individual choice and the freedom of the individual becomes idolatry. But we'll, we'll get to that, I think. Mm-hmm. So, But at least in the beginning, I thought it was good. Yeah, that's a good point. It has limits, though. Yeah. <clears throat> so where did you... So I guess it'd be that'd probably be an appropriate place to segue into how individual choice is idolatry. In what ways oh. from the movie? <clears throat> oh. Well, Stuart Long wants to become a Roman Catholic priest. And everyone, literally everyone, says no. <laughs> mm. Even the church. Right. And why? No. What do you mean? Why? Why did they say he couldn't be a priest? I, well, you answer because, your own question. Wasn't it because he wouldn't be able to do the sacraments? Because he didn't oh. have muscle? Oh, Towards no, end, even yeah. before that. Yeah, before just his lifestyle, just to who he was as a person. I, I, that's right. Well, I'm thinking of his girl. What was her name? Oh, I don't shoot. remember what her name oh, was. Goodness, we should probably, I don't have internet down in your basement, Greg. <laughs> this is Montana. We don't have internet everywhere. I'll get it for you. I'm on it. Oh, I have it written down somewhere. What difference does it make? His, well, I want to honor his girl. Oh. <laughs> because uh, she was right. But anyway, everybody said, Stuart, you shouldn't be a, a Roman, you shouldn't be a priest. Okay. I think I text messaged that to you while I was watching it. He should have just married her and have kids. Oh, yeah. Carmen. Carmen. Yeah, he should have. Because she was even willing to give up Roman Catholicism for him. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, she was? I don't, it's been a while since I watched Well, well she... That was one of the sacred things of Roman Catholicism, I guess. Yeah. But she was willing to, to break chastity... Oh, and okay. marry him, uh, but which it, would mean he couldn't become a priest. But as a Catholic, can't you do that and then just Roman. confess it? And, and then it, just confess yes. it? Yes, yes. Just confess it, do whatever the priest prescribes. Maybe a, Jack, maybe a Jack Roman. What's that? Like a Jack Mormon. Oh. I don't know what that is. I've heard of it. What Jack Mormons are just Mormons in name only. Oh, okay. They don't tie it to the church. They don't, yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking with the idolatry of the individual choice. Stuart Long said, I'm going to become a Roman Catholic priest. In, in himself. Like, that was his own decision. And then he had four or five witnesses that said you shouldn't. And to go against all of those witnesses, mm-hmm. he still decided to do the, to mm-hmm. become a Roman Catholic priest. Where throughout church history, you read about guys like Athanasius, who said, I don't want to be a bishop of the church. And the church made him do it. (laughs) You know, the witness of the church forced him Mm -hmm. into becoming a bishop. And there's just a a couple handfuls of guys who, no, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And the church said, you're going to be our pastor. Where the witness of the church became the overriding factor of their choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, and here, it's, it's just that American individualism I've decided what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it no matter what anybody says mm-hmm. where if, if a young guy came up in our church and said I want to be a pastor and the elders of the church said eh, I don't think so that would carry weight mm-hmm. you, have a, you have a witness and a testimony that says you'd be better off you know 
hanging drywall mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. or whatever. Right. And here he just completely ignores, he ignores the testimony of the church, which he wants to serve, which, which is in, to me is a, is a huge error. And it's interesting in the Roman Catholic right. paradigm to, right. to disregard the, the yeah, yeah, to disregard the church. And his bishops and his mm-hmm. cardinals. Yeah, even when I was joining, when I was becoming a pastor, seeking ordination in the Reformed Church, I had to have the support of the local church and elders, mm-hmm. saying, yes, we approve of this man seeking ordination of the church. I couldn't have done it without their approval. Because so. they viewed that a man has to be called. Right. Yeah, and if the church isn't calling you to do it, then you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So... That's what I meant by the idolatry of the individual will. Gotcha. I see. And you can Where, see that in oh, his sorry. life. Yeah. Because when she refuses his advances, Carmen. that doesn't, that, yeah, that doesn't stop him. When he has to leave boxing, to go into acting, <laughs> just all through the movie, he doesn't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Right. When sometimes you need to. Yeah. Right. But then you don't become a Hollywood movie. That's true. It'd make for a bad story. <laughs> so like all these. Oh, and all Stuart these Long retired from boxing, got married, and had kids. <laughs> what was it, Franz? I mean, all of them are like just persistent, stubborn, vicious. Mm-hmm. Well, there's certain aspects in which you need to be persistent and stubborn. Mm-hmm. Right, but this, but just that's what we're saying though. It's like, right. If he if he wasn't that way, no one would know who Stuart Long was. Yeah. You know so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like we talked about with the world's fastest Indian, so what? Mm-hmm. You know, like let's just say, oh, right. let's yeah. say Greg kicks the bucket tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Greg, I mm-hmm. just killed you off. That's all right. I'm ready. In ten years from now, who knows Greg DeBrees? Right, you guys. Yeah, uh, the, the people Jackson remember County. him. Yeah. Jefferson and County remembers him. God. Like, who would you who would you rather recognize your faithfulness? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not even saying who cares. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just saying boring people don't make Yeah, you don't make movies. movies. Yeah. We're not going to see a movie about Caleb Class, probably. No, probably not. Well, he might. If he goes to, what did you say, goes to war? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Dying With battle. his shirt off. <laughs> shirt off. Guns a-blazing. That was last I, week's episode. My last, my dad probably said, I should have bought some body armor. <laughs> Jonathan, where are you? Johnny... Where are you when I needed your body armor? Yeah, sorry. Okay, we digressed. Well, I've seen the size of the the plates of body armor. That wouldn't keep you alive. Oh. <laughs> He's calling me fat? No, I'm calling <laughs> body armor small. Oh. I'd work on a five-year-old. I was like, yeah, put that body armor plate in your backpack. And it protects 2% of your body. Good job. Yeah, body armor is a misnomer. Mm-hmm. It's a misnomer. You have more vitals than just your heart. Yeah. But we should probably have someone on who can talk more about that. How often do we bring up Elijah and say he should yeah. be on the show? Well, he never comes on. We've oh. never invited him. No, we, we have. have. We, we have, have invited him. him. Well, we've invited him for No Country for Old Men. Yeah. yeah. And we always refer to him as he who shall not be named. He is Voldemort. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's he has a nose. Some like top secret identity or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not the Elijah that you're thinking of. Yeah, that's a different NSA. That's a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> not New Saint Andrews either. Yeah. 
Should we talk about how Stuart Long punched Jesus in the face? Oh, yeah, in the no. garden. And broke in his the, knuckles. In the cemetery. Yeah, you don't punch Jesus and get away with it. You no. can get broken knuckles. Nope. That's when he was... Remind me. That was when he was he struggling. He was drunk. And yeah, that was early his, on. His brother, he had a brother that died. Oh, right. A lot of the problems, or like, causes a lot of the grief with well, parents. We should probably also talk about why you should not have a statue of Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, he punched Jesus and didn't get away with it. What was he struggling hey, with? Whether to be, whether to marry Carmen or not? No, this was before he even went to Hollywood. To quit boxing. He was having done yeah, boxing. Yeah, he had to quit boxing. Oh, it was really, really. Yeah, okay. then, he, then he went to Hollywood. Yeah. Decided he'd become an actor. And when he goes to audition, there's that perverted director yeah. or producer. Oh, or yeah. Casting yeah. whatever guy. Yeah. And he was like, what are you willing to do for me? And yeah. unzips his pants. Oh. Man. Man, what a, he had what the a right frightening response scene. there. He did have the right response there. Took him right by the throat. Yep. Didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he grab him by the throat and threaten him? No, he like hit him up the against the wall. Yeah. And knocked his camera over. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote my notes. There's Weinsteins everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. I'm sure Hollywood's full of that kind of stuff. Yeah. More well, apparently, if it was back then, how much right. more so today? Right. And our moral degradations. Hmm. But if he's he gets a, so he moves from Helena, Montana to Hollywood. He gets a job at a supermarket as a butcher, right? Yep. He's yep. in the meat market. Mm-hmm. And he sees a girl. Yeah. And everything changes. And he follows this girl to church. Ready yeah. to go. Talk. <laughs> Today, you'd probably get brought up on charges for stalking or something, the way he uh, followed after Carmen. Sure. You think so? I, I guess it depends so. on the kind of girl Carmen is. Yeah. Yeah. But he was very, very persistent. Right. Starts going to church. Yeah. He gets. <laughs> it's great when he gets baptized. He takes off his shirt. He takes off his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> to show off his muscles. Yeah. <laughs> What's meant only to get the girl. Mm hmm. You know. And all the choir, all the altar boys are rolling their eyes at right. him. Because yeah. they're jealous. Yeah. It's a pretty hilarious scene. Yeah, so what changes Stuart Long's life is a woman and baptism. Which woman are you referring to? Oh, yeah. Carmen. Oh, you're not referring to uh, the Holy Mother Mary? We didn't... No, we're talking about the good things. <laughs> <laughs> Mary is good. Leave her in her context. I'm ready to talk about that. Oh, okay, go ahead. I, do... I, I want to talk about how everything changes at baptism. Oh. That's like a theme of the stories for the... There's <laughs> water, and now we actually have a legitimate baptism, and you want to avoid it, Greg? No. Okay. Talk about Mary. Well, what? Well, <laughs> so how did it change at baptism? How do you think it changed at baptism? Because every time he came up to a, uh, a confrontation with his family, he would say things like, well, I'm baptized. Or, Stuart, you can't act that way. You're baptized. But baptism was the turning point for Stuart's life. Oh, okay. But 
and he not so much in the movie. Like, like it was a real, like baptism was meaningful and real. Like it actually did something. And I really appreciate that. Maybe not so much in his head. He thought it was, oh, just something like that. I'm going to get this girl. Okay. But everybody held him to it. Mm-hmm. It was the initiation into the church. Mm-hmm. And now that you're part of the church, part of the covenant, you can't act that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he followed the girl, he got baptized, and his life literally had to change. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfect. Yeah. But anyway, you wanted to talk about Mary. No, just how to grapple with that. Because that was the pivotal point in the movie for him anyways because he wasn't taking things seriously I mean he was pursuing Carmen seriously then he crashed on the motorcycle and had this near death experience where supposedly Mary came to him in a a vision and his life changed at that point how do how do we as Christians interpret that what happened right there I was going to ask you guys that because he would say if he was alive today that was a real experience. I, I, yeah, I really experienced Mary mm-hmm. visiting me. Yeah. So what would you guys say to that? I don't know. Oh. Because uh, we've talked before in an episode, this is a while back, about the stories you hear coming out of the Muslim world. About what, Jesus? I, yeah, Jesus visited me. In a dream. And had a real conversion. And they're Christians, etc., etc. Right. Yeah, that's but, a tough one. I mean, yeah, those are, it, it is interesting um, because he did have a true like life change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a chance we will meet Stuart Long someday. You know. I, mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh yeah, I think he's a Christian for right. sure. I think he's misguided in a lot of things. Right. Welcome it's, to the club. I yeah. Suppose. So those are, those are the hard things. Like that's the hard part. So yeah, I guess I'm like Greg. I don't know if I'd have a a good way to say because I was actually I was kind of want to ask that question in this to you as the pastor. Like, no, I was asking you guys. Well, right. But <laughs> I have my answer, I yeah. suppose, but let's hear it. Oh, cuz I'm I'm yeah. Curious when someone comes up to you with their experience, especially mm-hmm. one that is so drastic, I guess. Right. Well, one of the things I have caution, you know how there's like cage stage Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And people are and as soon as you understand Calvinism, you become you know, the, the wrestler and warrior for God <clears throat> and his sovereignty. And anytime you see Arminianism, you want to just attack punch it. Punch it in the face. Yeah, you punch it in the face. You pull out all the guns, and you don't care about tact. Mm-hmm. So, and what I'm going to say, I don't, you need to remember tact. I remember one, yeah, I wear a collar on Sunday or a Bible study. When I'm, when I'm fulfilling the official capacity of pastor around town, I wear a collar. I remember I was pumping gas. I think I was going to like hometown Helena. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I was getting gas before or after. And this little old lady came up to me. Saw that I had a collar on. And she said, I didn't know that fathers could wear jeans. So I had my, my clerical shirt on with my collar and I was wearing blue jeans. And, and probably a sweater vest or something. And she's speaking of Roman, Roman Catholic Church. Right. Where, the fa- where priests wear collars. Now... I could do the cage stage Calvinist thing and tell this little old lady that I'm a Protestant, I'm Reformed, Roman Catholicism is wrong, you shouldn't, you know, go down that line. But she said, I didn't know that fathers could wear wear jeans. Would you pray with me? And I said, yes, I can. And I prayed with her. 
this little old lady's not, and that pumping gas is not the time for me to get in a wrestling match about it. Mm-hmm. I am a father. I have four kids. <laughs> <laughs> and she's asking for prayer. Like, yes, let's pray together. She loves Jesus. I love Jesus. She's got issues in her theology, and I'm sure I do too. And we prayed together. And so I don't want to disc, I don't want to, uh, give anybody a pass to punch a Roman in the face, right? Mm. But when Stuart Long gets in a motorcycle accident, which is pretty horrific, yeah, mm-hmm. he hits a car, or a car hits him, I forget, and he goes yeah. flying over it, and then he gets run over by another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's pretty traumatic. Right. And the thing that happens to him in that moment, on the edge of death, is that he has a vision of Mary. And mm-hmm. what is, Do you guys remember what Mary tells him? No. <clears throat> it's not your time or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Mary, Mary comes to him in a vision. So now what do we do as a, with that as Protestants? So a Roman Christian would say, see, look, Mary appears to people. Mm-hmm. And I would say, have you ever watched a scary movie and then had a dream about it? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean zombies are real. No. Right. What, what you fill your mind with is often what you will end up dreaming about. You understand that concept? Have you ever... Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Do you have, do you have your, one of your latest dreams has probably been something that you've been thinking about. Right. And that, that happens to me all the time. I've had a few gunfights in my dreams recently. <laughs> <laughs> so when Stuart Long has a vision of Mary, I would say that's what he wanted to see. I don't think Mary actually came down out of heaven and appeared to him in a vision. I would say Stuart Long, from what he's been reading, what he's been taught in the church, what he's been thinking about, is that Mary would visit him. And that that is Roman Catholic theology. That sounds kind of Gnostic, though. Continue. What do you mean? Well, you're discounting, you're, you're giving a scientific, physical explanation for this supernatural experience. Well, I don't think it was supernatural. I tend to agree with you, but some people will say, but you're discounting all the supernatural. No, I'm discounting his claim to having a vision of Mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because Because God's not a God of confusion either. Right. And we believe eh, it ain't possible for Mary to appear like that. And God, to do a work, is not going to be doing confusing things. Yes. Correct. So the only explanation would be what you're giving. Clearly his mind was filled with this stuff. Yeah. And that's what came out. Yeah. I, I remember having a friend um, when I was an intern in a church and he was full, a full grown man. And anytime he watched like a scary movie, it would keep him up for like three days. <laughs> Every night he would have nightmares. Of a vampire or, you know, of a zombie or, or whatever, fill in the blank. He just couldn't handle it. It would fill his day and it would clearly fill his night. And he just wouldn't sleep because it would consume his mind. And are vampires real? Are zombies real? We would all say no. Well, no, they're not. They're, uh, what's coming out in your dreams is what you've been filling your mental diet with during the day. And I would say the same thing of Stuart Long when he gets hit by two, two uh, cars. Hmm. What's coming out isn't 
an actual vision of Mary appearing to him and telling him to do these things, mm-hmm. which I would say is clear mm-hmm. by the representation of the witness of the church. I still think the Roman church is a true church. They've got a lot wrong, but they're still Christians. Well, because they would have been disagreeing with Mary. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Right. And so Mary would be a uh, an image of his fictitious imagination. Mm-hmm. This is what he wants and desires. And here it comes in his dreams. And the church and Carmen and his parents and his friends all say, no. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not right. That's not true. You ought not to be a Roman priest. But at the same time, you could argue, well, the witness of the church also goes against a lot of what God says. Right. So then you're well, back to, well, who's right? This vision of Mary or the church? Right. And what's, what's the Bible teach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the standard. Can God use, well, clearly he did in this situation, but can God, do we have biblical examples of God using this type of situation? I, I, I thought of like Balaam's donkey, in a, in a way, to direct Balaam, you know, God using a donkey. So in a way, God kind of used his subconscious visions of Mary to direct him a certain direction. Are you calling Mary an ass? <laughs> uh, no. No. But God used this situation of him swearing, oh, it was Mary, the mother of God who came to me. But God used that as a pivotal moment in his life to move him to be serious right. about his walk. I suppose, but I don't want to hypothesize necessarily what God intended or meant. And there's there's like two parallel tracks on the, on the rail here. There's what happened in history according to the responsibility and the will of man that God allows. And there's also the divine providence of God setting things up. So yes, as Calvinists, right, as good Pauline theologians, we believe like Moses that God is sovereign in all things. God ordained from before the foundation of the world that Stuart Long would get hit by two vehicles and have a a dream of Mary. Mm -hmm. And then in man's responsibility, in his will, we also have Stuart Long, I think, fabricating from his imagination that Mary visited him to tell him to be a Roman Catholic priest. Yeah. Right, so how do we reconcile those two things? Because we're saying at the same time that God ordained all this to happen and that Stuart Long was wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do we reconcile those two things? Is that what you're talking about? Or am I going beyond what you're... No, I was just listening to what you were saying. I even forgot my point. But the... <laughs> <laughs> because I was going somewhere else. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going... No. In. I thought you were going left. You were going right. While I was talking. Go, while you go were where talking, you were going. We'll while see, you were talking, we'll see where I, was, we end up. I was thinking of something else and it would probably come back to me. But no, I was... Uh, well, I, oh, what I was going to say was... <clears throat> okay. You, you think... The, the Roman Catholic Church is a Christian church. What kind of mighty God do we serve who also sovereignly works in the sphere of the Roman Catholic Church <clears throat> to move 
his children, even in all their faults, along the direction he wants them to go in that sphere. And he's working in our sphere to move his children all with all of our faults and foibles. Well, we're Presbyterian. We don't, we don't well, have any. Yeah, a couple, not maybe. Not a couple. <laughs> Just a few more than the CRC. <laughs> than the Dutch. I should just say the Dutch. Well, yeah, I think some of that obviously goes back to what we were talking about earlier when I said, let's, let's talk about some of the good aspects of the story before we talk about the bad. And you both immediately brought up the theology of suffering. We could call it the theology of struggle. We could, whatever you want to call it. One of the things that this story teaches us is how God uses difficulties to train us up and how we should receive them in the appropriate way. Uh-huh. I don't think, and again, this is a true story. It already happened. We can't go back and change it. But if I was Stuart Long's pastor, I would tell him you're not interpreting God's story rightly. You're not understanding what God's trying to teach you through all of this. Right? You're seeking to fulfill your own will rather than his. Mm-hmm. That's, how I would, that's how I would approach him as a, as a Protestant. God brought this suffering on you for a reason, and you taking it as a means to bring you to the priesthood of the Roman Catholic Church is inappropriate. I don't think that's right. But uh, I obviously wasn't there. <laughs> but it is an interesting discussion to talk about the theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. When, you, when we think about the evangelical church in America, you know, do we have a theology of suffering? Think about some of the most prominent evangelical pastors. Like for us, of course, Doug is a Doug Wilson is a big name, but in the evangelical world, right? Eh, yeah. yeah, no. You got guys like Mark Dever, John MacArthur, Piper. Uh, uh, Tim Keller. And that's, Keller. That's still niche. You got Stephen Furtick, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. Yeah. yeah. That's a... where, where suffering is completely removed. Yeah. The reason Jesus came to the earth is to remove suffering from mm-hmm. your life. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. You were saying, it, you were saying John Piper and Deaver. They're saying that that's, they're not prosperity. Is it Deaver or is it Dever? Deaver. I don't know. Dever. Well, you just say it and I'll agree with you. Sorry. Devere. 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 <laughs> Paul Revere. Are you saying that, that they don't have a theology of suffering either? Well, I know Piper does. Piper does, right. Yeah. But it's not yeah. as ro- it's not as robust, I think, as it, as as it, it ought to be. Yeah, as it could be. Sure. Maybe Piper's is. Yeah. Piper seems like he's got a pretty solid hand. Well, <clears throat> the little bit. But mainline evangelicalism. Right. Like God does not want you to suffer. Right. When I read the Bible, and as I, as I teach at Bible study on you know, you know, Sunday mornings, God has a reason and a purpose for your suffering. Mm-hmm. Right? Suffering is actually the main aspect of your Christian life. <laughs> how right. so? Maybe you should explain that. What do you mean, how so? Like, why? Yeah, or... why would you say suffering is the main aspect? <clears throat> well, I, I, de- defining suffering as discipline under God's fatherly hand. And that, that's how you come to maturity in Christ. Discipline as a loving father. Disciplines his children. Mm-hmm. Giving weight training to his children. Right. Saying, now I want you to handle this. Now I want... Yeah, and God knows what each of us are capable of as his sons. 
and and all God's children are his sons. Even you ladies who are listening, you are a son of God, just as we men are brides of Christ, part of the bride of Christ. But God knows what each of us are capable of in bringing us to maturity in. So it may be in God's wisdom and providence to discipline you with the loss of a child. Yeah. But right? God how, all... how devastating... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I cut you off. No, you're good. But God can also discipline through... Now I'm going to discipline you through this success that I'm giving you. Like success as a judgment or like a... Or as a... Okay. Because even uh, the, those of you who are faithful in little, you'll be given much. You're faithful in this. I'll give now you, you, now yeah. you rule ten cities. No. Yeah. Like that. There's also that theme. And I, want, uh, I forget what I was listening to. But I wonder if we... Uh, that's why I wanted to flesh out suffering as an essential part of the Christian walk. Because I wonder if we give too much credence to suffering. Where, <clears throat> where suffering becomes a form of piety? Is that what you mean? Um, yeah, maybe. Flesh out what you mean by fleshing out. Yeah. <laughs> suffering. We give too much credence to suffering. Uh, uh, maybe we allow it and expect it too much. I mean, especially when you look in the Old Testament, when you're obedient to God, he's going to bless you. He, when you're obedient to God, he doesn't say, then when you're obedient to me, then I'm going to make it difficult for you. You know, yeah. I'm going to bless you, this, that, and the other. But on, in reality, we know, well, you know, but we all suffer. Right. We have pains, we have health issues, we have losses. But I wonder if, the Christian church today sometimes errs in reveling in or seeking out, maybe making suffering too much of a point in our lives, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. Well, we've talked even earlier in this episode, the idea of suffering is pietism, that God gave me a headache, so I'm not going to take Tylenol kind of thing. But I, I wouldn't consider suffering like that necessarily is what we're discussing now. Mm -hmm. Aches and pains. Aches and pains and those kinds of sufferings God gives you to deal with so that you grow up in certain ways, sure. Just because your back hurts doesn't mean you get to snap at your kids, right? Like, right. Mm -hmm. You need to learn maturity in that. <clears throat> but uh, there, there is the, well, I mean, Jesus says you want to follow him, you need to carry your cross daily. Yeah. It crosses aren't very comforting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. And there is in modern America with the with the churches that populate our landscape the idea of the avoidance of pain. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Like All Joel Osteen is an extreme example. Yeah. Yep, those kinds of things. But so I agree with you in that, that yes, the idea the theology of suffering can be taken to an idol. If if I'm not suffering, then I'm probably not a Christian. But we don't want to say that. Because God does grant times of peace. Right. Right? There, there are times of peace and, and joy and abundance. Which, and you need to give God thanks. Yeah. And just be content. Or to... <clears throat> maybe that's it. Maybe maybe you think, oh, I'm, I'm kind of at a low point in my Christian life because I'm not suffering right now. 
But, oh, when I went through this great suffering, oh, I just... And there is a growing closer to the Lord in suffering, in a sense. But I think the same kind of things can happen even through successes in your life. Yeah, Yeah. learning thankfulness and gratitude. or I mean, because there's psalms about, oh, Lord, deliver me. And there's psalms about, oh, my Lord, thank you for your great grace. And Job... Job was a man, a king of the east, full of riches, an abundant family, lots of kids, right? And and righteous and perfect and sinless and blameless. Yeah. Right, yeah. Job chapter 1. So he had all the bless, attendant blessings, and he was righteous and blameless. Mm-hmm. And then he suffered. Mm-hmm. Right, so even even in the midst of Job's prosperity, in which he was faithful... He was faithful in it all. God still in his providence brought him through the trial of suffering mm-hmm. in which Job remained faithful and came out with a double portion of everything. Yeah. So there, there are those aspects of things. The, the theology of suffering, and at least in my experience, but I didn't grow up Dutch Reformed, but the theology I'm of suffering... Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe it would be a different discussion. But the theology of suffering is entirely lacking. Like the the idea that you could be a, that in any way your life could resemble the life of Joseph, where it's just trial after travail after trial after travail, and then come out glorified and saving the lives of many. That's just completely foreign. Mm-hmm. Do you think that <clears throat> is it possible that a lack of suffering is actually God's judgment on His people, as far as you don't have the, I don't know if the dependency is the right word, but as a, as a church at large, we're a very affluent nation. We're a very affluent people, you know, where God's turned us over to, to our idols, <clears throat> which in that case would be a life, you know, void of suffering for yeah. the most part. I don't know. Yeah. Well, wealth can be an idol just as much as suffering can. I mean, which episode was it we talked about, you know, the monks who were on the 30 foot poles they just stayed up there for years. Yeah, that was recently. Yeah. I don't remember. Just just to suffer for suffering's sake. Yeah. That can become right. as much a, an idol as wealth. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so wealth in itself is not bad. Yeah, Abraham was rich. Solomon was rich. David was rich. You know, wealth is in itself isn't bad. And if God blesses you with wealth, be faithful in it. Mm-hmm. And suffering... Suffering can sort of be the same thing, where suffering teaches you to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Suffering's more pointed, I think, but than wealth. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, yeah, when James says to count it all joy, when you're meeting trials of various kinds, mm-hmm. what ha- so, because um, the end result of that is growing up, you know, right. it's maturity. Yeah. So what happens in the Christian church today, the evangelical church, they can't count it joy because all joy because they're not experiencing those things they're experiencing life of so that's why is is there an element of a, a life void of trials actually god's judgment on the church can that is that a possibility well i suppose so i mean uh, what do you think greg well uh, the other in hebrews 12 it says if you're not experiencing discipline from god you're mm-hmm. it depends on what translation you use but you're a bastard yeah child. Trans- yeah 
counted as following this. But at, at the same time, those James and Hebrews were written to a suffering, suffering people. Suffering people, yeah. Right. So people are being put to death. And I think it's very pastoral to say to Peter when he's drowning, okay, don't, you're suffering right now, and God's going to restore you, or Job. Mm. God's going to, this is not God turning his back on you. Hang in there. That before he right. you. <clears throat> but yeah. at the same time, God promises, if you obey me, yeah. if you walk in my commandments, I want to bless you Sure. with all of these blessings. But when suffering comes, realize I'm your father. I'm training yeah. you up. It's not I'm turning my back on mm-hmm. you. Right. Yeah, that, well, that's, just, that's the cross. The, the son mm-hmm. who submits his life entirely to the Father's will is not abandoned by the Father. Mm-hmm. Right. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is not the Father's anger mm-hmm. towards the Son. Yeah. It's, the, it's the Father allowing him to suffer injustice. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we're getting off topic of Father Stew. Yeah, but, we haven't talked much about the movie at all. But <laughs> That's okay. Jesus in the garden... Did he die? He did not. I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it this way. Are you disagreeing with me? No. Oh, okay. No, oh, that good. Was, that was good. Whew, I can't suffer that. <laughs> Jesus in the garden did not put his life down for his love for his bride. He laid down his life because he loved his father. Right. It's, it's not. I do. He was at the point where he said, I do not want to do this. Yeah, Dad, but because Dad, my father <laughs> said to do this, I'm going to do it. Right. Yep. Yeah. That, was, that was a big eye opener. Right. It was. Me. It was love that held him to the cross. Love of who? Sure. His father. His father. Right. Hmm. Which puts a different. Which I guess even adds another layer onto Paul's. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Yeah. I mean, applying it to Christian marriage, men, it's yeah. not about your love for your bride. It's about your love for your father. Yes. Right. If you love your father rightly, you're going to love your wife exactly as she needs. Yes. And, and the same for wives. You love your father, wives, you love your father in heaven rightly. Yes. And you'll, you're going to love your husbands and respect them exactly yeah. as they need. Right. Yeah. And when the rom-com, warm, fuzzy, love feelings aren't there you realize who cares this i'm in the maybe i'm in the garden but my father says i'm doing this for my father right yeah absolutely yeah and the thing with father stew Mm -hmm. is so we recognize as good calvinists that god uses means Mm -hmm. he uses water to demarcate who is in the covenant who's not it's just mm-hmm. it's water on your head you're a Christian or you're not he uses bread and wine to separate mm-hmm. the table of the Lord from the table of demons and he, he uses means to accomplish his ends and for Father Stu the means were all pointing against him and he rejected them all hmm, so what does that mean? Or, what does that mean? What does that mean as part of the means of God? Well, you're, you're talking about things like uh, as a husband or as a wife, 
dedicating yourself to the Father's will, no matter the response of your spouse. Mm-hmm. Is was he dedicating himself to the Father's will? So you, you get these people coming in, who are part of the body of Christ, saying, "Don't do this." And in his own, I would say his own ego. If you watch the film, maybe you'll see that as well. In his own ego, he rejects, I think, the Father's will. And he becomes a priest. He's rejecting the means by which God provided for him to be faithful and fruitful. He gave him a bride. And they do have sex. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, marry her, have babies, <clears throat> be fruitful, fulfill the commandments of your father. And all the while, he's thinking, I can't do that if I want to be holy. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I mean, that goes farther into the, the Roman church than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. The Roman church really messed that guy up. But but you're... Then it, sound, it sounds like you're saying two things at one time. The the witness of the church, he went against. He, well, he did, yeah. But then, at the same time, the witness of the church really messed him up. Yep. Was it... Was, is it was it more of an indictment against the church well, you just that need they that. were yeah, sorry that they were resisting his, Get in here. his desire yeah. to serve God? I understand what you're saying. Well, is the, the we're three just saying that the Roman Church is all jacked up in general? There's a three mm-hmm. word question: by what standard? Go ahead. Standard. That's right. So if the Roman Church says this, we would say by what standard? If Stuart Long has a vision of Mary, and he says, I need to do this in my life. We would say, by what standard? Where are you getting these directives and these commandments? If God spoke to you through Mary, then it's a divine revelation. And we need to honor it as the word of God. By what standard? Mm-hmm. Is if, it? Go, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm keep interrupting you. No, no, you're fine. But if... But if we acknowledge, oh, we acknowledge the Roman church is a Christian church, then God used all of these crazy circumstances right. to still use Father Stu. Oh, he sure did. In yeah. the lives of people. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> one of our favorite theologians says, God draws straight with the crooked stick. Yeah. Uh, so of... in, in the story of Father Stu, God was perfect and just and holy and good in everything you did and Father Stu got a lot of things wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. and more like Samson God was perfect and just and holy in everything he did through the life of Samson and we look at the life of Samson and we go why Why did you marry a Philistine why did you sleep with a harlot mm-hmm. why did you marry a Delilah like what in the world is going on with you Yeah, Samson and at the end of it the whole Philistine Empire comes crashing down. And I guess that's a that's what I was trying to say earlier and is what a great God we serve. Exactly. Yeah. That he moves his kingdom forward through these crazy circumstances and uses these crazy circumstances to still move his kingdom forward in Roman Catholic circles. Yeah. Because no nobody went outside of his decretal will all things worked out how God planned right in that whole situation yes yeah yeah I think you brought this up Caleb like that's why you're watching the movie and you go yes yes 
oh, right, ah, dang it. Right. You know, like, there's so much that's right in this movie and story. All of a sudden takes a, you know, a 90-degree hairpin turn. Mm -hmm. Let it be 180 when it... (laughs) And just completely ruins everything. Yeah. I I remember one scene, I think it was Stu talking to his father, Mel Gibson. Mark right. Wahlberg talking to Mel Gibson. Man, could you imagine if Mel Gibson was your dad? <laughs> he says something like, uh, uh, pardon my French, if you have kids listening. God made your ass, and he's disappointed. <laughs> or was he talking to the prisoners? I forget. I heard When he's doing prison ministry? Uh-huh. God made your ass, and he's disappointed. <laughs> you know, you're like, yep. I fully agree with that statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that is good theology right there. God mm-hmm. made you? And he's mad. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. You know, 100%. I agree with that. But then the next thing you, you're like, a vision of Mary or a vow of celibacy, and you're like, dang it! You're like, no, you need to go make love to Carmen and have lots of babies. Yeah. <laughs> quick, yeah. quick, before you die. There's a reason why in your disease, God made your pecker the last thing to lose feeling. Like, hmm. come on, Stuart. You're missing the whole thing. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. But, so, yes, tons of yes and amen, and then right at the moment, you're like, dang it. Right. Just misses it. You just miss it. Yeah. It's kind of like the Green Mile, but from a pagan perspective in the Green Mile. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that episode, too. Hmm. Well, we should probably wrap it up. Oh, it's been a long one. Yeah. Wow. I'm surprised we talked this long about. Well, we didn't really talk about Father Stu. No, no, we really didn't. Well, we I mean, there's whiskey and yeah, we talked about whiskey for eight minutes. It was only eight minutes. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I and I wrote in my notes. Mary's name is actually Miriam in Hebrew. Oh. And she's a Jew, and she's in heaven, so she didn't look like a white American. <laughs> in his dream. <sighs> ah, you're oh. killing me, Smalls. <laughs> And, and who is it? Was it Carmen who said, God saw something in you worth saving? And I was right. just like, vomit. Yep. No, there wasn't. You oh. know, like, that's not the reason why you're saved. That's the kind of theology that... This, oh, I had a friend send me a text today. It was of a, a very prominent evangelical that said, we don't live in a moralistic age where we need to prove people to be sinners. We live in an anxious age we need to, to to prove to people they're worth something. Oh. Well, they're image bearers, mm-hmm. I suppose. Everybody thinks they're worth something, though. Yeah. You don't need to prove that. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, Father Stu says, no one wants to hear the gospel from the mouth of a gangster. And it made me think, like, Jesus was crucified as a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Fathers, do you need to quit reading August? I mean Aquinas, and start reading your Bible? <laughs> yeah, Jesus was crucified in Barabbas's place. Yeah. It, right. Uh, man. So there's a lot of bad. Well, let's go to recommendations. Let's just no. let. All right. Let's just skip ahead. Okay. Skip. I, I don't have a. I'm gonna give it three out of five whatevers. What? <laughs> I don't have a. Three out of five. It's a pretty good rosaries. <laughs> Chastity well, belts. We should do five? chastity belts. Mel Gibson was in it. That's true. Man, any always. <laughs> any Mel, movie Mel Gibson is is at least two out of five. Uh, Mel always pulls it off. <laughs> Marky Mark acted good. 
He, he did get fat. Like, for real. Fat, like, yeah. for real, he got fat. Really? Yeah. That wasn't prosthetics. He for real got fat for the role. Really? I didn't know that. Well, yeah, three out of five. See? That's impressive. That's dedication. Starting to look like... Imagine if Mel and Mark Wahlberg were Protestants. What they could do. It, uh, a movie like this should humble Protestants, I think, in one sense, to see how big the church is. Yeah. And how God works in other areas of the church that we look down upon. I wouldn't condone going to another area of the church. But we I, need to I re- appreciate that. <laughs> God's a, a big God. Church is a big church. Um, there are blessings for, I think, holding to the Protestant faith and being faithful to God but yeah no it was it was an okay I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it again it was neat because it's tied to Montana has Montana roots Mm -hmm. and one of the I guess church friends that we know um, knew of Father Stu and worked on one of his vehicles and you know so there was some real life ties and as Jonah said we can go see where he's buried Huh. We so desired. I don't know. We can make a pilgrimage. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Father Sue drove a vehicle. <sighs> Couldn't even. Remember I don't. Some I don't remember all the details. Maybe. Be, <laughs> maybe. Be, mm, no, this guy said he restored. In the movie, it was a blazer, but in in real life, it was a Bronco, and he worked on restoring it. I learned to drive a manual transmission in a Bronco. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So anyhow, it was, he was great. I could ride over any curb I wanted. <laughs> I love that Bronco. Thanks, he, Dad. He was a real life fixture here in in Helena. So yeah. So yeah, I'll give it three out of five. Um, of the two Roman movies that we've watched, what are the a, two? A Hidden Life being the other. Oh, mm-hmm. I, Nacho Libre. <laughs> Nacho Libre would three. be a third. Yeah. This was definitely the But Nacho Libre is pretty much Protestant <laughs> at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we stole it from the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> it was not my favorite. There's some stuff. I wouldn't talk much about it, but I did like the the turnaround of Mel and Stu. Mm. The dad and Stu. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really like that. They can't stand each other. And at the end, he's oh. helping them on the toilet. Here's so down. good. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just suffering of martyrdom. You might need to wipe someone's butt. Mm-hmm. Now, for the record, my daughter said she wouldn't do that. Oh. When I get old. <laughs> Come on! I know, Hannah. Oh, no, we don't need... No, I'm Banana. calling her out. I'm calling her out. <laughs> right. So, no, that's the kind of suffering we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... Taking care of people. Yeah. Right, right. it's in the trenches. It's not always... Yep. It's not always martyrdom at the cross. Yep. Or burning at the stake. So that was good. I I gave, I'll give it a D plus. I mean the acting was good. D a D, D plus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just man. didn't like it that much. Apparently my rating's too high. I would have liked it a lot, but I just could, I I got hung up on the the theology. All of it when it could have been so good, it just seemed like it missed the point. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, or just. Uh, would you I'm just. Pause, take a step back. Is this better 
than what you would see in the average quote-unquote evangelical Christian movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, like, um, you didn't, yeah, you didn't let me finish. Oh, sorry. But, like, <laughs> the Christian movie that requires an altar call, like those kinds of right. cheesy Christian... Yeah. You're like, nobody talks like that in real life. <laughs> yes. So this was better than that, at least. Oh, yeah. You think well, so? Like a fireproof think, right? or something. Now that you say this, I think this is like the Catholic version of that type of Protestant movie. Get him baptized. Or got to become a priest type of thing, or mm-hmm. devote your life to God and in the church type of idea. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. It's so painful to watch some of the Protestant Christian movies, or evangelical oh, right. Christian movies. It's painful. Yeah. yeah, which it ought to be. There are, mm-hmm. Yeah. There are brothers who uh, beat them up a little bit. And this was more real life. Yeah. I, d- I did like, is it my turn? Yeah. I did like the reality of sort of the candid uh, way that the, these folks spoke to each other. They're just honest. Mm-hmm. Like his, his dad in a trailer park, his mom in, in a different trailer park. And they're like, you're full of bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. like they just spoke. Mm-hmm. And growing up, that's exactly how people talk to my family. Hmm. Just unabashed. You know, oh. you're, you're an idiot. You're full of crap. <laughs> you know, like, death is a thing. It, just right in the nose. Tons of sin, tons of problems. We didn't grow up Christian in my home, of course. As I've, as I've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. You as keep, a you Dutch keep Reformed. <laughs> but I, I did appreciate just the candid nature of, like, the father and son relationship. Mm-hmm. And the way that that actually built into the restoration of the two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I wish I had that. <clears throat> the restoration. You know, like, I, I think I've talked about my dad dying on the podcast, but mm-hmm. when my dad was in hosp- on, at home and he's on his uh, hospital bed dying of cancer, and I walked in the door and he said, I knew you'd come, and I don't want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's... dang it, you know. Yeah, and and then the the person who showed up was the hospice chaplain who was a lady, and it was just a mess. But but for these folk, they just they just say it. Hmm. It's just out there on the table. Here are mm-hmm. all the cards. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna be open and honest. Yeah. You're a Roman Catholic priest, and I hate it. Yeah. Well, Dad, you're a sinner. God made your ass, and he you know he's disappointed <laughs> in you. Like they're just bang bang boom boom. It's like a verbal boxing match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh, man, that and, would have been so good. And Mel gets baptized in the end. Yeah, right? Yes. And and I watched that, and and how frustrated I am with the Roman Catholic Church, and I am frustrated with the Roman Catholic Church. I'm like, ah, dang it. Like, thank you, Stuart. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, not only will we, see, I hopefully, hopefully will we see Stuart in heaven in the resurrection, but his parents. Yeah. Because of this blunt, mm-hmm. brash, you know, just mm-hmm. head first, we're going to talk about it and deal with it. Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah. Because when I see when I see Mel Gibson in this character as the dad, I see my dad. Hmm. And I, hmm. I kind of wish I was more like Stuart, more mm-hmm. of a boxer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. So I actually wrote down 7 mm-hmm. out of 10, mm-hmm. which is what I gave... Uh, 
the world's fastest Indian. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to let you guys push me around on that. Oh, I thought good. you gave the world's fastest Indian 8 out of 10. Oh. Oh, you're right. I wrote it down. 8 out of yeah. 10. Okay, so seven, one, one step lower. Technically, my... My D plus is actually a sixty nine out of out of a hundred, so it's only one point less than a seventy. But you guys also know I like I like sad stories. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and this one, this one really struck home for me. And hmm. Aside mm-hmm. from the Roman Catholic theology, like, bang, boom, that's all right, right up my alley growing up, and so I really like Father Stew. Lots of problems with the Roman Catholic theology, but I thought it was a good. A good story, a good telling of the tale. Mm. Um, mm. Would I watch it again? Yeah, maybe. Mm. If somebody invited me over, if my kids wanted to watch it, maybe. But is it my? I need language. Is it? I need. Oh, there is a lot of language. We should mention that. Yeah. A lot of f bombs. Lots of language. Lots of harsh language. But welcome to the world. Yeah, that's true. It People, just. It's sometimes it's hard though. I, that's not the world I. I don't work on a construction site. With like a bunch no, of ex-cons. I just grew up with non-Christians. Yeah. That's really how people talk. I don't, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would get really old really fast though. Like, well, it just becomes part of your vocabulary. Oh. You you stub your toe and say fiddlesticks. Right. They stub their toe and say F, yeah. <laughs> F that table. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's right. So it, it's just a difference in vocabulary. but Yeah. Yeah, so if, if you do... Listeners, if you do want to watch the show, be beware of. I mean, watch the movie. Beware of language. But. Yeah, that is interesting. How, like with Burt Monroe, you see a lot of Christian characteristics that are admirable, and the same thing with like Father Stu or right. like you were mentioning. Yeah. His loyalty, his dedication, his steadfastness, his mm-hmm. hard work. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of it's admirable. Mm-hmm. But you want to point it in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. It, imagine if a guy like Father Stu. Gave his loyalty to a wife and children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how much we might not know his name, but his his generational faithfulness might have made more of a difference, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ten years from now, after you're dead, Greg, sorry, I, I killed you again. Oh, we might right. not know your name. Sorry, right. I'm ready. But your generational faithfulness will make more of a difference than your mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So can we say for Father Stu, talking about Father Stu, uh, find a girl who loves Jesus, marry her, and have babies? Yeah. <laughs> a, that sounds good. I think that was like the last thing I wrote. Yeah. Find a God-fearing girl, get out of Rome, marry her, and have babies. That's what, that's what I wrote. Please don't become a abstinent priest. All right. Don't become fruitless. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you want to say? We didn't really talk much about Father's Day, did yeah, we? Yeah, that was not a whole lot right. of Father's Day conversation. All right, well, thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, and we hope you suffer well. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, where the glory of God is revealed in the stories of man. If you're interested in what we are doing, subscribe and share. If you'd like to contribute with your questions or recommendations, you can email us at storiesforglory at protonmail.com.